Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This is Mortgage Lending Mastery. Get the knowledge you need from America's Mortgage Mentor. With more than 30 years of experience and over $1 billion in lifetime fundings, you'll learn to take your mortgage practice to new heights. Certified Mortgage Planner and CEO of KineticSparkConsulting.com. Here is Jennifer Duplessis. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Mortgage Lending Mastery. I'm your host, Jen Duplessis. Okay, so my guest today is Dr. Lee Davenport. Um, she is located in Atlanta, and she's a, I'm an Atlanta real estate, or Atlanta-based, right, because you're in Atlanta, right. um, real estate coach and blogger, right? She's been featured in Real Estate Magazine because she actually writes for them as well. A Realtor magazine, I apologize, Realtor magazine, um, Huffington Post, just name a few. But she trains um, real estate agents and brokers across the country on how to work smarter with technology. And um, she has a um, hashtag, which is Learn With Lee. So if you want to find out more information about her, you can do um, hashtag Learn With Lee. And uh, I had, oh, you also write for Inman, which is great. And... Um, so, Lee, welcome to Mortgage Lending Mastery. I'm so happy that we finally got this put together, huh? Took a while. Yay! I'm so excited. Thanks so much for having me, Jennifer. And hi, everyone. Yeah, it's great. I'm, I'm so excited. So one of the things I love talking about is how I meet people that, that uh, you know, I have as guests on my podcast. So I was speaking at National Association of Minority Mortgage Bankers of America, otherwise known as NAMBA. And by the way, if you're listening in, there are tons of chapters all over the across, across the country. And I'll be on a speaking tour with Tony um, Thompson in a variety of cities throughout the rest of 2018. But, um, and hopefully, you know, you can come to that event because I want you to hear about it. But anyway, so I was down in Atlanta and Lee approached me. I think you sat in on one of my, at my class, and then you approached me and said, you know, hey, I write for Realtor Magazine. Can I do a little write-up on you? Um, and honestly, Lee, I don't even – I've seen it, but I don't know where it is because I just have it, right? So I don't know if it's posted someplace, which is horrible because I should be doing that. But it was an interview with me and my daughter, which was a first for us, um, both being in the mortgage business. That's crazy, you know, um, now that she's in it. So – really fun to do. And we just all kind of hit it off. And I said, you know, Lee, I, I really want you on the podcast because she is, because you're coaching um, realtors, right? Um, that's an avenue where loan officers, we don't want to be coaches for realtors, but we want to help their business grow. So we're hoping that you can give us some, some insight on some tips that we could, you know, perhaps be using to um, create value in the relationship with uh, the realtor. So before we get into that, though, tell us how you got into writing, coaching, and real estate. I mean, what came first? Why did, why did it happen? Did it just sort of morph or was it intentional? Yeah, so this is a question, Jennifer. Whenever I'm asked, I always have to say I'm really going to give you the short version, but because I always start from my childhood people, I can feel, you know, the eye rolling like this is not going to be short. It will be though. So, <laughs> so growing up, I, uh, my family, 
they were real estate investors. So my parents, they were literally mom and pop, pun intended, since they were my parents. They were mom and pop investors. They had different apartment buildings and things throughout Michigan. And unfortunately, being a girly girl, I absolutely hated it because, you know, I wanted to keep my nail polish pretty. And instead, I'm cleaning up after tenants might trash a place. I'm adding towel to bathrooms. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm doing all of the yeah. labor. And looking back now, that was wonderful. But then I hated it. So because I hated it so much, um, to your point, in high school and everything, I studied business. But I also studied journalism. And I wrote for our local, the Detroit News at the time, because they had a program with our high school. So I loved writing. I loved business. And I was running from real estate. Fast forward, I graduate from the University of Michigan, go blue, around 2001, well, in 2001. (laughs) And I moved to Georgia right after that. And anybody that's in Georgia, and really most of the nation for the most part, the market, the real estate market was good. So all of my friends were like, are you kidding me? Why are you not investing in real estate here? So I did. started investing in real estate And it was a lot better because I was the adult now and I didn't have to be the child taking orders and I got to see the money. Um, So as an investor, I started buying apartment buildings and really just doing what I learned from my parents. So that was an amazing ride. Fast forward again. Now it's the end of 2007, October to be specific, and the market crashes. So uh, I call my 20s, mine only, so anybody that might be in their 20s, I'm not talking about you, but my 20s, I call my young and dumb years. So I'm in my (laughs) the market crashes, and I say, how bad can it get? Well, we all know this was the worst crash since the Great Recession. You know, so it's like the worst market happened, and my tenants, unfortunately, many of them started to lose their jobs. All of my properties created. I couldn't give them away. It was horrible. So I was completely upside down at that point. And I said to myself, what do I do? So I had another brainchild. And I say that with air quotes, really, again, because it was my young and dumb years. I said, well, you know what? This would be a great time to become a real estate agent. I've never been on the sales side. I sell it. Well, as everybody that's a realtor knows, especially if they were in real estate in 2007, it got really bad, hard. <laughs> it was right first time. Yeah. But- oh, my gosh. Yeah, and I know. I mean, I lived through that, too, and I saw so many people, you know, just uh, lose everything, just lose yeah. everything. And I'm getting started being young and dumb again. So that's yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, I, let's just go from the fire uh, to the furnace or what's the saying from the fire? Right. Yeah, yeah. So from I, the frying pan to the fire, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I get started as a real estate agent, but here's the miraculous thing. I'm just so blessed that Facebook at the time was brand new, and it was a little thing, really, at the time. It was only two years old. So I hop on Facebook. I the traditional way of growing your business marketing as far as postcards and door knocking, that was not going to work for me. So I mm-hmm. being somebody that really likes following your personality and, and working and playing to your strengths. I hopped on Facebook. I was already on Facebook playing around using it to connect with my friends. And I just said, you know what? I really feel like this would be a great way to market real estate. 
there weren't as many rules, obviously, because it was still new. My business took off. It took off so much that my brokers took notice and they said, hey, why don't you come in and start doing training? So that was the start of trainings for me. Um, right. So just by osmosis. Yeah. 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 It, it started that way. And I will also say, in addition to doing the Facebook post, I also started a blog and that was the journalism background kicking in. So I started a blog that also mm -hmm. took off. And as a result, within a few years, uh, I had built a team and this was all still during the recession. I built a team and then I became managing broker. They asked me to become managing broker and I, I got more into the training role, but I never stopped writing um, because that was probably the best lead magnet, whether it was writing on social media or writing articles and blogging and so forth. So that's kind of the long, short version <laughs> of how all Yeah, that's awesome. Well, and I think that happens for most of us. I don't know anybody who goes to school. We already know this. We don't know anybody who goes to school to be a realtor or a mortgage lender, but right. we also don't go to school to be a trainer and a teacher and a speaker. Right. I mean, there's no job. I mean, teacher, yes, but not, not in what we're doing. So I think it all does happen like that. Okay, so let me just ask you a quick follow-up question given, given what you just told me. What do you think the relevance of blogging is in today's market as opposed to videos separately as opposed to, well, and I shouldn't say videos separately, I should just say vlogging, right? Because I know there's both. Um, so what do you think the importance is of having both the written content and the visual content, even if it's the same content? Right. So Jennifer, you bring up something that is very specific to 2018 and our newer generation, you know, 10, 20 years ago, mm -hmm. we couldn't imagine doing vlogging the way we, right. but the crazy thing about our generation is now if there isn't a video attached to it, so often it may get ignored by not everyone because some people prefer to read. They don't want to watch a video, but then a vast majority of us like to watch videos. I was doing a class this morning and we were talking about a topic and some of the agents had questions and they were like, you know what? I don't want to take up class time. I'm going to go to YouTube and I'll watch a video and because they know it's there. And that is kind of what we all default. Mm -hmm. So I would say, right. as everyone else is saying, video is king. So having the video form of anything you write allows you to capture a bigger audience. Right, right. So do you think, and, and I totally agree because I'm, you know, I'm in the process of doing that myself, but do you think that it's even worth, um, that it's even worth doing any blogging at this point? Or just go straight to the vlog. To the, and by the way, if you're listening and you don't know what a vlog is, it's a video blog. That's basically, you're saying the same thing if you were to write something. So do you think there's any, any value in actually taking the time to write? Do you think anybody's going to look at it? Do they go hand in hand? So it is getting much harder to write, not because we don't look at it, because I don't think that's it. But, you know, the search engines, including Google search engine because they own YouTube and then Facebook, their search engine, because, you know, a lot of people go to Facebook and actually search for videos. Mm -hmm. All of these different search engines have algorithms that prioritize videos. So it's not that we don't read because we do. Some of us, I'm a reader. Some of us still read, but the search engines are making it harder to find written versus video. They are pushing video. That's right. So right. we're going to line up with it 
But I will say yeah. I'm still blogging. I, I do videos, but I'm still doing the written form. And I have a high volume of traffic. Now, I've been doing it a long time, so I've got an audience as well. But I still have mm-hmm. over a thousand people every day visit my blog from the numbers. So I. Wow. Yeah. I really do. Because not everybody. Yeah. Right. Right. I understand. Okay, cool. All right. Well, I, I beat that up. I just wanted to make sure since you mentioned that. <laughs> <laughs> so we talked about it. Um, and, okay, so let's, let's talk about, because really what I wanted to focus on, and, and, and I mentioned to you before we um, started recording, is that, you know, the majority of the listeners are, are loan officers, but there is now a larger and larger following of realtors and other types of businesses, just generic businesses, because our, our mortgage community has been great at paying it forward to their B&I, you know, their B&I group, their um, master buying groups, their lead share groups, you know, through uh, the chambers, et cetera. And, you know, just everybody's listening. So it's generic enough in nature, but then there's some specifics. And today I want to talk about some specifics. And that is the relationship with um, the loan officer and the realtor, because this is something in my coaching, in my speaking, and I'm encountering a lot of questions from loan officers is how do I get appointments with realtors? And of course, I've got my thoughts on it. Um, but how do I get appointments with realtors? And then from there, you know, trying to avoid what we all do in sales, or we did, you know, years ago when you first got started, or it became a habit where you dump your entire toolbox out in one meeting with the person you're trying to sell because you don't know anything else to do. But to, you know, rather than trying to improve your interview skills with people so that you can show value. So now that said, I know that you did a session this morning with realtors um, and they had a really a, a big complaint this morning, ironically. And so we don't know if it's this timing or whatever, but so I'm looking for a couple and I would like for you to talk about that. But I, um, I'm looking for a couple of tips that you could recommend knowing what you know as a coach for realtors, for loan officers to be able to improve their relationships with realtors and provide more value to help their business grow. Yeah, you know, I'm... Meaning the realtor. Yes, yes. The top two things um, I would say, number one is share your success testimonies. And I'll explain what I mean. And then the second thing is to... um, do more explanation of the products you offer without the legalese or the jargon of the mortgage industry because so often agents, even today, I'll tell you, you know, here in Georgia, we've got doctor's loans, um, and I know you've got Mm -hmm. Jennifer throughout the country, and I would assume everybody's familiar, but for those that are not, yep. you know, mortgage loan allows someone who went to medical school, has debt, to still buy a home, often no money down, or at least no down payment, for up to $3 million. That's how most of the programs are set up here in Georgia. But yeah. the crazy thing to me is anytime I mention that to agents, they are baffled. Like, really? That program exists? I'm like, how do you know? Wow. Oh. Yeah. But I get it. I get it. It's this is probably fact. We do it too as realtors. We hear things all the time, and we know we know our inventory. We know things so well. We take it for granted, and then we may not explain it as well to consumers. And I feel like 
so often there's so many good products available. A lot of banks and mortgage brokerages offer so many things that would help our clients in today's climate, but we just don't know they exist. We do not know. And I've heard sometimes different mortgage professionals will share, I guess, the internal name for a product, but it doesn't mm-hmm. translate to us. So we don't, we discount it. We discredit it. You know, we're like, uh, what? That right. doesn't make any sense. Okay. All right. That sounds good. And well, and I'm trying to think what you mean by uh, an internal product that maybe we don't, I don't know. I, well, I'll, you know what? I probably can tell you this. It's funny. I, um, I have clients call me and they say, what's your rate? Because, you know, realtors always give three names and that's, that's a whole other thing. I, I would love to be on something of yours to be able to explain to realtors what not to do with us too. Right. Yeah. So they have, so they'll call and say, you know, what's your rate? And I want a 30 year fix. And I said, well, have you heard about my um, super saver 25? And they're like, what? Right. And all that is the 25 year term. That's all it is. It's just uh, a different way of saying it. Yeah. And, and it's really funny because it accelerates the payoff. Right. And, but in a payment's not that much different. The rate's exactly the same, but it, it's just the way you sell the product, you know? Right. Okay. So don't use jargon. So that's one, one tip. Um, don't use industry jargon, jargon, talk to realtors, most of them, not, not all, but talk to them as if they're a kindergartner when it comes to yes. introducing a product. Now it's funny because it, that you mentioned this because I can't even remember the last time I had a sit down with a, a realtor and I talked product because I rarely do it. Yeah. So I find that that's interesting that they brought that up because um, I rarely talk about products, hardly ever, yeah, hardly and ever. That, I talk about our relationship. Yeah. And that for many of us adds value to the relationship because now we see that it's not just whatever standard loan we might have in our toolbox of what we think is available, mm-hmm. all these other things that can help people in various situations. And we've seen it as realtors. We will see people find out after closing, we've worked with them. They, they've been in their house for six months and then they find out about a program for teachers or for doctors or, and they're, they look at us sideways right. because we didn't tell them and yeah. we didn't know either. Wow. Yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. Okay, so that's one thing. What's another thing that you think would be beneficial for um, us in creating strong relationships with realtors and providing value? Yes. So I'll go back to the first thing I said because I breezed past it real quick, and that is sharing more of your success testimonies with us. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we on the realtor side, we do a better job of that. Like on social media, we do pretty good with such and so just closed their home. They were a first time buyer and they had these credit problems and they thought they wouldn't be able to do it. And we were able to help them with our lender team and, you know, go into that. I'm not saying divulge confidential information. That's not what I mean at all. But I do mean, you know, in order to help us vet, Someone because so much of the industry, when you're dealing with relationships, when you don't know someone, many of us become so leery of sending our clients because we know that if it doesn't go well on the financial side and we can't see it, there's basically a curtain on how much we can see. Yeah. So if we mm-hmm. can't see it and then we've given our client away, now we might lose them. And that's unfortunately, like I mentioned before we got on the call, one of the agents this morning at our office meeting, 
they were sharing how, you know, they found out it's basically the ninth hour that the lady was supposed to close last Friday. She did not. And instead of getting a clear to close when they thought they were, they found out that her debt to income ratio was off and it wasn't going to work. And so she's brokenhearted because she really wanted that home. And the agent now knows that the relationship has been damaged between them because yeah. mm-hmm. referral and those things hurt. And it makes it scary because this, this agent, you know, we all, everyone in the, the meeting with him today said, Hey, well, why don't you try our loan guy, this lone lady over here? And he looked at us like a deer in headlights. Like, I don't know. I'm so scared to try someone else. So people, you know, it builds yeah. the the testimony, mm-hmm. sharing the ways that you help people overcome challenges. Even if, again, it's not that you got to put it on social media. I'm not saying make it public and violate any type of confidentiality. Right. Correct. Part of the conversation. Right. Right. Well, and you and I were talking about this too. So let's, let's talk about what you're finding out from the people you're coaching now is, is there a, a, a sense of scarcity because initially when you said that that was blowing up, my, my initial reaction was, I, how, how is that still happening? Because we have all these stop gaps, you know, everybody, you've got layers and layers of individuals looking at files. Um, and, and we recognize that sometimes our buyers aren't as forthright as we'd like them. Sometimes they don't know what they don't know and there's ignorance involved. And so, you know, at the last minute they say, oh, I, I didn't know I was supposed to tell you that. And, you know, so things happen. So we don't want to finger point or anything. But um, the first thing I thought of when you mentioned that was given today's market where there's less volume uh, for loan officers uh, and realtors too, where there is um, a complete, uh, I was going to say complete market saturation, but there's a, bit, a low inventory. Do you think that some of your realtors are getting, uh, those that you're coaching, are you finding that people are getting scared and they're coming from a place of scarcity? Because I think that situation reminds me of a realtor that calls me and says, look, I, have, I need a pre-approval letter now, 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 uh, because there's a gazillion offers and it's the only way this is going to go through. And because of the scarcity on the side of the loan officer, they succumb to, or they want that relationship, they succumb to that pressure and just issue the pre-approval letter and then hope and pray everything's going to go great. You know, so are you seeing that it's on both sides? Because I, I see it that way. I see both sides being very scarce, and one of the ways that maybe we can work together is to slow down to speed up and have some type of a conversation to ensure that there's a commission at the end of the road for both of us. What are your thoughts on that? Yes, I agree, Jennifer. You know, I, I really encourage agents and almost I'm I'm almost beating them over the head about what they do in the the pre looking for a home, the pre search process. Mm-hmm. That includes this. Mm-hmm. They you know, if you take someone out, you let them look at homes and now they do fall in love, which is going to happen. Their emotions are now tied to a home. And you haven't had them go through the process property, you're hungry. (laughs) And now you're driving, you're pushing them to do something, especially if you got, you do have a good working relationship with the lender. You're, you're kind of prodding them to do something that unfortunately will blow up in everyone's face, the homeowner, you and the lender. And it's just not a good look and it's not worth it. 
Unfortunately, though, right. sometimes people have to go through what the school of hard knocks with this, even though yes. yep. <laughs> yep. they they sometimes yep. experience this. And this is not one one that I really want people to. I'd rather save them from it. But yeah. And, and you know, we see that with clients, too. You know, sometimes they because they want everything. They're going to make a high offer. You ask for closing costs and then and then have the whole house rebuilt through home inspection. Right. <laughs> And and then they lose it, right? And they lose the deal. And sometimes that has to happen to them too before they understand, you know, that hey, I need to slow down. Right. I need to cultivate strong relationships. Make sure that there's communication between us so that there's success for all parties. Win, win, win. You know, right. win, win, win for everybody. Right. Yeah. So, um, okay. Well, that sounds good. Is there anything else you'd like to recommend that given? You know, you're coaching them right now. What are they? What are some of their struggles in getting business? What about lead generation? What can we do as loan officers to help lead generate? So this was also a part of our conversation this morning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's hot. I imagine it was. Yeah. <laughs> One thing that we like to do as much as possible, and I say we being realtors collectively, is partner with our not just mortgage, really, but any of our vendors with lead generation. Mm-hmm. So that might mean perhaps we do together a seminar, maybe on how to buy your first investment property, because maybe that's all of our target markets, right? Or um, even if it's not partnering with an event, it can even be partnering with a lead generation platform or doing ads, for example, on Facebook, Facebook ads or doing Mm-hmm. Um, you can program like Boomtown or even I know Zillow's a hot button issue for realtors, but even those of us that do use Zillow Premier, oftentimes we partner with several vendors to not only fund the lead generation, but also have a resource of professionals that can really be your team and your support for right getting the deal, the, the lead from start to finish. So that's another right. one is actually being a lead generation partner. And again, financially, sure. But even if financial is not the side, being that resource where, hey, maybe this agent is into doing Instagram videos and they're highlighting what to do about loans. Well, maybe you can partner with them and do a double-headed video. So much of that helps yeah. us. Yeah, yeah, and I'm more inclined to do that over paying for Zillow because I always, my experience is that um, my, that is not, for me, it's not, and I think this is some apprehension that a lot of loan officers have with realtors that approach us. My, my apprehension with that is that I'm only as good as the next guy who pay $5 more a month. Right. And so my relationship isn't really valid. In fact, I had a guy that, that was in a training class of mine at, at the realtor, local realtor association um, and we met once to do, you know, one-to-one, and I was like, I don't really know. He's just a little green. He's, he's a little scattered, you know, and I decided that I would put him in my drip campaign, and the next thing I know, about a year later, out of the blue, he wants me to be part of Zillow, and I said, you know, it's not something I've, I've ever done. I'm not sure I will do it, but I did some research, and Zillow convinced me, and I said, okay, I guess I'll go ahead and do it. Paid $800 for a month. Um, started setting up all my stuff, kept calling the realtor and said, look, you know, it's great that we have this, but I, I really want to meet with you. I want to see what we can do aside from this. And nothing, crickets, crickets. Finally got a hold of him and he said, oh, yeah, I actually decided I didn't want to do Zillow. 
So we did nothing. I spent $800 and we did nothing. And then I, I deleted him from my account because I just felt, you know, no, that's not going <laughs> to, that's not going to fly with me. You oh my talk, gosh. It cost me $800. Right. And, uh, so anyway, you know, I, I think, um, I think that part's good, but I guess what the question is, is that, you know, everyone's going after uh, the client acquisition through these, you know, aggregators. Are they actually closing deals? And I find that the pull-through is it's a lot of work for small pull-through, and I'm hearing it from a lot of loan officers. And not to, you know, if you're listening in, it's not to, to say don't do it or anything. It's just, you know, my take on it. So I want to make sure that everyone hears loud and clear. You can pay to play or you can really help the realtor, you know, expand their, expand their business by helping them, you know, through social media, like you just mentioned, um, maybe highlighting them on a, a Facebook Live for yourself, um, maybe walking through and highlighting a house that they have listed, uh, perhaps having client appreciation parties together with them or homebuyer club uh, meetings is what I call first-time homebuyer seminars. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they like to be in it. Yeah, so I call it a homebuyer club meeting. And we just do a series of, you know, classes on, on people, you know, various things that they need to know about buying a home. Um, gosh, you could do HR. You know, you could go into an HR or to a company, talk to HR rep or the P, um, payroll person and ask to do lunch and learns and let the realtor be your partner in that endeavor. I mean, there's so many things that can be done um, to help realtors. But the issue is the barrier to entrance, you know, the and this is what I hear everywhere now is how do I get a meeting with a realtor? How do I get a meeting with a realtor? And then once I have the meeting, how do I do a, a great job of not dumping that toolbox out and really focusing on what their needs are? But any I'm thoughts, with you. Any thoughts on that? Yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. with you. I think that part of it, and this is honestly even what we talked about today, I encourage realtors that it is not a, and I've heard you say this in the session I was in that you did, it's not that we're necessarily saying, hey, let's get married, you know, to put in that term, like right. we're partnering for the rest of our lives. It's, that's not it. And I think right. it takes away for the realtor, it takes away some leeriness where you say, hey, let's for the next month, or even like you said, maybe let's do one lunch and learn together and see how it goes. And then right. brief after it, if everybody feels like, you know what, this was a win for all of us. You know, there was a good crowd that turned out. We all got some good leads out of it. Let's do another one. And so it has to be a relationship. It has to be an evolution because if we go straight to, well, I offer this and you offer that. So let's team up. Let's get married. Let's work together for the next year. And it goes south to your point, like with the $800, you feel like, okay, I will never do this again. <laughs> Don't yeah. Ever, yeah. ever approach me. Yeah. And that's even, again, on our end, that's how some realtors felt when we were talking about it this morning. And even on the monetary side, even if they, they are going to partner together with monetary things, again, I really encourage people, um, well, in our industry, we have, you know, RESPA laws. So we should not ever pay someone directly. Like if we were going to partner with somebody. Right directly mm -hmm. to the vendor or to whatever it is that we're doing together. Um, and again, one event, one month, one week, you know, just keep it very short, almost, you know, I think of probationary periods with jobs, you know, you just got to start off yeah. very short so that everybody can assess, is this winning or is this really mm -hmm. a headache? <laughs> 
Right, right, right. What are you finding are the top three challenges that realtors are having right now? Um, when you look at not just from today's meeting, but just across the board with people you're coaching, what are the top, top three challenges right now? So with the inventory shortage, now every agent, because mm-hmm. I work with people in different, not only different Market. parts of the nation, yes, but even different, mm-hmm. some focus on luxury versus investors. So for those that are doing prob- probably the starter homes and and some of the more lower income, and I, when I say lower income, mm-hmm. I don't actually mean low income, but I mean, again, no, I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. So anybody. The price points. The price points, yeah. Right, right. So for us in Georgia, that price point is $300,000 for the house. So anyone that's looking for $300,000 or less, they're, we're pretty much in an inventory shortage. There's a bidding war and so forth. And with that, the challenge becomes, okay, so I shouldn't work with buyers. Many of them feel that way, like I should be a listing agent. I should be on the listing side so that I can control this list to last. That's mm-hmm. the mantra of our industry. But then they feel like, well, everybody wants to list to last. So how do I compete? So for us, one of the biggest things is how do you differentiate yourself from the next professional? And mm-hmm. in Georgia alone, I saw this stat the other day, we're almost at 80 thousand real estate licensees. Now obviously not all yeah, of them I know. but that's a huge Active. number. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that wow. would be the first thing is differentiation. How do you stand apart? How do mm-hmm. you get recognized? And I would say the second thing that goes hand in hand with that is truly lead generation. So how do you now get in front of people? How do you the market is so crowded. So how do you stand out and how do you make a voice? And then the third thing that I've been doing, I actually have this workshop on the four laws of follow-up that I've been doing across the nation. And this is the one that I feel many of us still overlook. And this is not anything new as far as your database. For many of us, our database and the the network that our database has, because I feel like that's all one. Mm-hmm. Those for us, we overlook a lot. That is one of yeah. the things yeah. for us. Mhm. Yeah, I know. And, you know, I just heard this statistic yesterday, too. I mean, we hear it a lot, but it just was reiterated. You know, the average person is in their loan for seven years. Right. They're in their home for 10. Right. right. So we were we were analyzing the value of each client. And, and I think what a lot of us think is um, they're buying and I'm going to close the deal and I'm going to make X amount of dollars and then done. And, and they're selling and I'm going to make X amount of dollars. But when you look at a client who on average will refinance, at least on the lending side, will refinance for every time, at least seven years, right? Mm-hmm. And will buy a new home at 10 average. Then all of a sudden your client, every single client is worth, um, assuming your average loan, you know, your average income, every single client is worth $33,000. in a a lifetime, right? So um, we manifested that number by saying, okay, so that's if they give one referral a year, they refinance at seven years, and they buy another house house every 10 years over a 30-year period, okay? So you're in the business. or It might might even been 25 years in the business. They're worth $33,000. Now, for a realtor, then that's triple that because loan officers make 
so much less than realtors do, a triple, maybe even five times that. And, um, and I said, well, what happens if we set an expectation with every client that our goal is to not be one and done and then wait for seven or ten years or wait for every year for them to give a referral? But what if our expectation is that during the buying process, the initial buying or the initial listing process in the case of a realtor, that we expect or we set up the, the criteria for our client is, look, while you're going to this, your reticular activator is going to be going off. You're going to find everybody's buying or everybody's selling at the same time. Do you think you could provide us with a referral while you're in process, you know, and instead of waiting until it's all done and referrals later? And um, it took the lifetime value of a mortgage practice under the terms I just told you, it took, a li- took the lifetime value of a mortgage practice from $2.6 million to $6.8 million. Wow. That's amazing. So, so if you're closing 10 deals a month and you'll get a deal from every client while they're in process, you just doubled your income. And therefore, you know, almost tripled your lifetime value of, of your, your practice. So it's looking at not what does this one guy get me in lead generation, but what is, what is that going to give me over the life of, you know, my professional life, you know, and that's, that's pretty amazing. And so that's why our database is so important. And we seem to just use it as a stepping stone to find just the next deal. Hey, got it done, next deal, next deal, next deal. Instead of just playing in our little sandbox. And, you know, it's funny because I literally, because you mentioned this at um, one of the sessions I sat in on, and I did mention that today because an agent shared with me how, you know, he just had a closing and his, I guess the client said, hey, I want to give you a referral um, and and I'm also going to buy another property. So he, this agent being newer, for him, it was like an epiphany, like, oh, I should be asking for referrals. So we're everybody there <laughs> down and we're like, yeah, you should. But I think that's a yeah. big thing. And I think so many of us, we get on autopilot. And like you said, we treat mm, it when it's yep. done. And if, if we did, just so I love that you have the numbers, that if we just had one referral from every closing, that would change our lives, really. So imagine if you did and how productive your business would be as you get more than one referral from each deal. Right. And, you know, the thing is, we all talk about getting referrals from our database, and the assumption is our database is post-closing. Right. Rather than realizing that our database is the person who's sitting right in front of us. Right. Right. Yeah. And, I mean, can you imagine the difference? I mean, $2.5 million in a career you know, earnings is one is, is incredible in our industry. And, and I'm talking about loan officers who make less than realtors sometimes. I don't know. You know, I think loan, loan officers make more money than realtors, but they, they make less per transaction, right? So it's a lot of transactions. But imagine how your life can be impacted going from $2.5 million to a $6.5 million income in your career. Right. How that could be changed. And it's simply by looking right there. So do you think that one of the things that's being talked about in our industry is do you think it's beneficial and how and how receptive do you feel that realtors would be in having loan officers call and say, look, I, I know you have a database and I know there were 
you know, the whole bunch of realtors law offices that were involved in the, the deals, et cetera. But I know that those realtors, sorry, those loan officers are not calling the, those clients. Are you calling the clients? And I know the answer for realtors is going to be not as much as I should, yada, yada, yada. So the great partnership that I'm seeing emerge right now is loan officers teaming up with realtors to make database calls on behalf of the realtors to stir the pot because it's something on the loan side that we do more frequently than, than realtors do. And we have the, the bandwidth to do it because most of us have teams, right? I mean, we're, this is what we're doing. We're doing client acquisition on a daily basis and, and calling our database. So how receptive do you think the average realtor would be to um, helping them nurture their database and stir that pot to ensure that there's activity and opportunities for both parties? I would hope they would be highly receptive, but here's the thing that I think about. We try to encourage most agents to not be an army of one. You really can whether you have a virtual assistant, because 2018 is very different. You don't have to hire somebody 40 hours a week and be responsible for their life and death, right? Now, Correct. you can crowdsource, you can just hire a virtual assistant mm -hmm. in another country and, you know, you spend barely $2 an hour. So it's very right. economical. And that is something that I know many of us in management, we try to encourage agents to do. We offer services for them. And I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is that some people, well, I do know what it is. You know, you start in these industries where you do feel like you have to be super self-reliant. Uh, you know, you, you have to do it yourself. And when you get to the place where you don't have the time, you know, you don't have the capacity anymore, you've kind of conditioned yourself to not have anyone help you, which is a bad problem. Yeah. So yeah, because you can't do it alone. You right. can't. And I think that's the bigger challenge for us. So I think that would be a great mm -hmm. program. If you roll it out, please let me know because I've got agents who I know would sign up for it because they're, again, even the people this morning we were talking about because that's what I want them to do. I believe in giving away as much as you can. It's 2018. We've got too many resources. You should not do it yourself. You automate what you can but some things need a human touch. So I, I love it, but I think the bigger crutch is so many of us are self-sufficient. We don't want help. Or think, or think we are. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or think we are. I think that's part of the problem, too, is, you know, I, I, I got this. I got right. it. Really? Really do you have right. it? Because I don't see it in your numbers. You're frustrated, right. you know. So, you know, you know you, it takes an army to do things these days. And, you know, it is a big team effort. And we do have blind spots. And, and I think that's part of it is, you know, helping people with their blind spots. Right. Um, that's cool. That's cool. So um, as we kind of wrap up today, one of the things that, that I want to talk about is your book um, called Profit with Your Personality. Can you give us a, a quick synopsis on And by the way, it's on Amazon, correct, I'm assuming? Or yeah. is it better to find it on your website? Okay. Okay. Nope. Amazon. So, um, yeah, um, so Profit With Your Personality. So tell us a little bit about um, this book. And what I love about it is that, it, you know, listen, if, if you're listening in here, guys, you know, and you're a realtor, go buy it. If you're a loan officer, go buy it for the realtors. It's a great opportunity for you to have an op a conversation with them. So 
Tell us a little bit about the book. Sure. So I, I based it off of my research um, that I did for my doctoral dissertation that it was so much fun to me. I got a chance to study some of the top 1,000 real estate agents in the U.S. to find out what makes them tick. And some of the things that I came out with this that I think really are I don't want to say re revolutionary, but maybe they are because so often in any type of sales industry, not just real estate, but in sales, you feel like you have to be chatty Cathy or this annoying salesy guy. I don't know why those are the two options, but it's, it's nerves. Yeah. <laughs> the amazing it's just nerves. It is. Yeah. 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 Again, one of the things I found so interesting about doing this research is that every single personality type was represented among the top producers. And when I say top producers, these are people hitting 50 million in sales volume and plus their uh, gross, their GCI gross commission income take home pay 500,000 and plus. So every right. personality, introverted, non-introvert, Everything was represented, and I thought that was amazing to see. So in this book, I kind of go through how do you become okay in your skin in real estate and with your lead generation. And people outside of the industry read it and feel like it's very applicable, even though I really wrote it from a real estate sales agent perspective. But it's really mm -hmm. about... How do you learn to play to your strengths to grow your business? And because we are saturated, this really is more critical now, I think, than ever, is that you really have to be able to find your niche. And the only way you can do that is to be true to yourself. Right. Right. And so in, in selling to your, and, and we actually we were talking about this too, is profiting with your personality is, do you do an identification of personality? Do you assess different personalities to help people figure out which one they are so that um, they can, you know, figure out how to best uh, communicate uh, themselves to other people? Or is this more about the mindset of you don't have to be a chameleon, you can be you and still attract people. You know, there's Fabienne um, Erickson. She's a she's a coach and a trainer as well. And she uh, she talks about brownies. You know that that she sells brownies. I always say it's cookies, right? So I love 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 peanut butter cookies. And so I so in this context here, I sell peanut butter cookies. Well, not everybody likes peanut butter cookies, <laughs> right? Right. And so, but my job is to find the people that do like peanut butter cookies because they'll become my tribe. Right. And instead of me saying, okay, fine, fine, I will sell chocolate chip cookies to make you happy. It won't make me happy, but it'll make you happy. So what is, is your book more about the personality piece or more about the mindset? It is both. So... Okay. I don't have in the book the DISC assessment, but I do have links in the book to mm -hmm. take them. I you It is based yep. on the DISC assessment. Um, for those that don't know, that stands for Dominant, Influencer, Steady, and Compliant or Conscientious. Mm -hmm. And all I of call it controlling. <laughs> I try to use a nicer word. <laughs> it is, though, because I've got some clients that are C's, but I'm a D. So, yeah. Right. <laughs> With the four different personality types, it's not that any one of us is only one personality type, as well as mm -hmm. 
our work life and our home life, we may have different personalities as well. But the key and the reason why the disc test is so popular, it's been around for over 100 years. There have been a lot of peer-reviewed studies that have found it to be valid. So the validity behind the DISC assessment, there's a lot of personality assessments out there, but I've used that one because it's probably one of the stronger ones used in the business industry. But through the book, definitely give the motivational side of it, but I also want people to understand their personality type and which lead generation activities work best for their personality. And that's actually how I coach. So people do come to me for one-on-one, sometimes, you know, reading a book is fine, but some people want more hands-on. So that's that's what I do is I, I really help people plug and play. So it's like, okay, this is my personality. I don't like doing mm-hmm. these things. I love this. So what does that translate into as far as marketing and growing my business? So that's my approach. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And I, and I, uh, ironically, I do that too. I've been a disc. I mean, I disc and I do a disc analysis. I've been doing disc for so long that I can talk to someone for a few minutes and know exactly what they are. Um, It's great for clients. It's great for clients. It's great for referral partners. I mean, you know, if you don't under, and I don't want to get off on a tangent with disc because, you know, but I'm a, I'm a D well, I'm an I, I'm a 99 I out of a hundred. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I love people. (laughs) Yeah, love people. Um, I used to be a higher D. I'm a, I'm a less higher D as I get older. It's, it's less of a, you know, I don't have to control and dominate people and, you know, run over people. But I am a bottom liner. A liner. And um, so an email that is long, a text that is long, most of the time I'm going to say, I didn't get it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, but if you say, if you text me and say, got it, it's done, taken care of, I'm, I'm with you all the way, but I have to recognize that other people will not be receptive to that style right. if they do want a dissertation. Right. And I think that's right. important, you know, in your personality. So whether it's your client, your family members, you know, your spouse, your, your um, work employee, you know, your work colleagues or <laughs> your partners, super important to know, you know, what DISC is all, it, what DISC is all about. So that's really interesting. Okay, well, good. Well, I, you know, I want people to go and try to find it, not try to, but go and get your book because, um, you know, it might be the cliff notes for DISC. So if you're not familiar with DISC um, or you've, you've done it and you don't really get it or it, it doesn't resonate with you, I'm sure that there's something um, in Lee's book that's going to shine a light and allow for you to be able to implement it into your life so that you can profit from your personality. So Thank you for sharing that. Okay, last question. Um, what would you like to leave us with? What one thing would you like us to, or would you like to leave for us as we close out today? I would say the biggest thing in working with us as Realtors is to help us better serve our clients by educating us more. We need more of your education. So I know some of the agents here go to the different lunch and learns and the seminars that are provided by mortgage professionals. We love them. Now, if it's more of a CE mandatory thing, of course, you're going to get a certain crowd with that. But if it's something really cutting, you know, related to what's happening in today's marketplace, do it, please. We love it. So please continue to educate us. That's good. (laughs) That's awesome. And get, you know, we, and so if you're talking to them next time you do some coaching, because I'm speaking on behalf of everybody who's listening, 
When we are offering a class, please tell them to show up when they say they're going to come. I can't tell you how many times I've had 30 people confirmed and yes. five people yes. show up. Yes. What the French toast, right? <laughs> they so do it to us. We do a lot of... I know, you know, I know. It's her, crazy. We, we have to make people pay. We have to do a deposit. You've yes. got five, $10. Yes. That makes people now show up because they do it to real estate yeah. trees as well. So we make them. Pay. Yeah, you have to for CE. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's a little hard when you're a loan officer. You can't really charge people. But, um, but no, I know. I know. I hear what you're saying. Well, you can be an advocate for us, you know, very subliminally when you're coaching people. So if someone wants to get a hold of you, how are they going to find you? So, you know, a loan officer is listening and they're saying, you know what, I've got to get my, my realtor coaching with Lee or a realtor's listening and says, I want to talk to Lee and get coached. What is the best way for them to communicate with you? Sure. I try to make it very easy. So you mentioned my hashtag learn with Lee earlier. Learn with mm-hmm. dot real tour is everything for me. That's my website. That's my handle on Instagram and YouTube and Facebook. So learn with Lee dot real tour. Put it in. That will take you to me on really every site as well as that's my website. Okay, so um, I think you went out when you said it. It's learnwithlee.realtor.com? Nope, no dot .com. So the, it's okay. the dot .realtor. Dot .realtor, yeah, it's the extension. Yep. Yeah, it's the extension. Learnwithlee.realtor. Okay, got it. Got and it. Absolutely. L-E-E. I wish it was L-E-I-G-H, but I'm named after my granddad, so L-E-E. Yeah, L-E-E. Yep, there you go. Realtor. You guys can get all the information you need, um, you know, to help to help you work better and closer and more frequently with realtors and really help solve some of their problems. So it's been a great pleasure, Lee, having you um, with us today. And, I, you know, as usual, I learn, 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 and I, I really, really appreciate um, what you did for me and my daughter, by the way. Thank you very much. So hopefully I'm paying it forward to you so that you can get a client or two out of this um, quick interview that I asked you to do. You did not ask me. Let's make sure everybody knows that. <laughs> make sure everybody knows that. All right. Well, listen, again, everybody, thank you so much for listening to Mortgage Lending Mastery. Um, and please continue to write reviews. Please continue to uh, connect with me on social media. I love hearing what you're um, liking. I also like to hear what you'd like to here in future shows. So if there's more things that you're interested in hearing, um, more interviews with realtors, more interviews with um, other loan officers, uh, more of me just yakking, that's fine too. Just let me know what it is you'd like and, and I'd be happy to, um, to uh, get it on the show. So thank you again for listening. We'll catch you next time on Mortgage Lending Mastery. Thank you for listening to Mortgage Lending Mastery. If you liked what you heard, please drop by iTunes and leave a comment or rating. Get more free email updates, transcripts, selling and education resources, and Jen's upcoming speaking events. Just visit our website at kineticsparkconsulting.com.